Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas and welcome to church on this Christmas Eve day. Thank you uh, for being here. Um, some of you, you're here every week. This is your normal service and you're like, wow, it's Christmas all at the same time. This is wonderful. Uh, for some of you, you are uh, brand new to our church. Uh, I just want to say thank you for being here. My name is Galen and I'm the pastor here. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would actually love to. Uh, after the service, I'll be at the next step corner uh, where if you're new, you just walk by, grab one of those coffee mugs. I'd love to shake your hand and say Merry Christmas to say thank you uh, for choosing to join us for our Christmas service today. Uh, Man, it's Christmas, and here's how I know you all came in today beautifully color-coordinated. Yes, red and green. Husbands, we can tell your wife picked out your outfit today for the family photo afterward. We can see it. Y'all look good. It's wonderful. Some of you, that is exactly the story. Yes, that's you right now. Uh, Man, I love... Christmas. I love Christmas time. Um, you know, normally you think of Christmas, the white Christmas, the snow outside. One of the little kids walking in today was like, it feels like Halloween with the fog. I'm like, yes. Uh, however, do you remember the song? And then one foggy Christmas Eve. Hey, that's today, okay? Yes, you're welcome. You can use that tonight if you want to. I love Christmas. And I don't know about you, when you come to Christmas, have you ever noticed the different expectations that we hold of Christmas? Maybe you think back on your own childhood Christmas and you had these traditions that you would do as a family. Maybe some on Christmas Eve, maybe some on Christmas Day. Uh, This is what we would eat. Uh, Here's who's all supposed to be here. Then you grow into an adult and you're like, do we continue to hold those traditions? No, we have to eat this. No, mom, we're not going to eat this. This is Christmas, so this is what we're going to eat. And we have these expectations that we hold during Christmas time. I would honestly say, a lot of us even hold expectations of this service, our Christmas service, like, yeah, pastor, we like know this story, but we need you to tell it to us in a new way where it's like, we've never heard it before. And like, you better not preach over 30 minutes because I'm timing you and I will walk out the door if it's at 31. I have expectations of what's going to happen here, maybe. Um, I shouldn't have said that. Some of you are going to time me now. I shouldn't have done that. Um, these expectations that we hold. Today's, I've entitled the message, The Unexpected present. The unexpected present. I want you to think back maybe to your childhood or if you have your own kids to experience uh, unexpected presents. Maybe on one side, like the very worst of presents. When you open it and it is not at all what you would have, it's unexpected and not what you would have wanted. Maybe you have kids or maybe you were that kid that on Christmas morning you open and you're like, ah, what is this grandma? This isn't what I wanted. No. Uh, We actually did some training and coaching with our kids literally last night. Like, girls, if you open something at Christmas and you don't like it, you smile and you be polite and you say, thank you so much. And that's, we're working on it in our house. We're training them. 
I even think of the first Christmas. Can you imagine Mary with baby Jesus in the manger uh, or a little bit later in this story? He becomes a toddler and these wise men come. Do you remember what it says they brought? Like, oh, and the wise men came bearing gifts and they brought for him gold and frankincense and myrrh. When I hear that, I'm picturing Mary like, oh, thank you. Perfect gifts for a toddler. Woohoo. Actually, I heard this week, you know, that's what three wise men would bring. If it were three, oh, oh. If it were three wise women, it would have been diapers, wipes, and formula. Practical things that a, mo- a mom needs, 100%, unexpected. Uh, or think of the other side then, the unexpected but the very best thing. The thing that you didn't even know you wanted or needed, but when you opened it, you're like, this is the best Christmas present ever. Some of you go crazy and you get the big Christmas presents, unexpected, large, and you come home with that puppy and you're like, Merry Christmas, surprise! I don't know how that works in your family, by the way. I feel like we would need to have a conversation before I just walk in with a puppy. But uh, surprise, I said that in the first service, and literally a couple came up to me, like gave her the uh, golden retriever last night. Literally, that was us. Surprise. When you receive the best gift ever that's unexpected, chances are that it will change your life immediately and forever. You bring home that puppy, it's going to change a lot. It's going to change how often you clean your house. It's going to change your sleep schedule. If it's a puppy, it's going to change your finances because dog food. It's going to change what you can and can't do with friends and you have to take care of it. Change your life forever. Today, as we talk about the unexpected gift from God, I want to tell you that it has the potential to change your life immediately and forever. And some of you, I I recognize some of you are here today and you've been a Christian your whole life and you are ready to celebrate Christmas and thank you God for what you have done for us. I also recognize today that maybe some of you are here and you're like, maybe I even grew up in church or I didn't grow up in church. I don't even know what I think about faith or belief or Jesus. I'm not sure what I think about any of that. I'm here because they invited me and I didn't want to disappoint them and that's okay too. I'm glad that you are here. But I think the way that Jesus offers a gift for us is for anyone and everyone Despite your past, despite what you've done, despite if you're a good person or not, or however you rank yourself in terms with other people, God offers us a gift today that has the potential to change our life. What I want to do is to walk through and simply read the Christmas story. How often do we actually read the entire Christmas story? And as we do, pause it a few moments and to reflect on a little bit, what is this best gift that God has given us and why does it matter for us today? You heard the beginning of the story from the Hetrick family as they were reading from Luke chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, that's where we're reading from or in the First Naz app. You can follow along there. They started by reading of this Roman emperor and it listed other important people that were on the scene during Jesus' time. And that Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem while she was ready to give birth. And I'll pick it up in verse 6. It says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, Jesus. She wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no available room for them. This is the gift of Christmas. This is the gift that God gives to us. He gives us the gift of his son Jesus to the entire world. Jesus is born. God becomes human to save humankind. Unexpected. And I would say this though, In one way, God's gift was not unexpected. In one sense, this is what we have been waiting for all along. 
The ancient people, even if you were to look at the story and how much of this story happens before Jesus comes, all throughout the Old Testament scriptures, is this people longing, God, would you come? God, would you make things right? God, would you save us from our enemies? God, would you do what is right and just in the world? And I would say just like them, don't we do the same thing? God, if you are all-powerful, if you are loving, if you are aware of the situation, why would you not do something? God, would you come and end wars? Would you bring peace? God, would you come and heal this person? You see all the things that are wrong in the world. Why don't you do something about it and make things right? So God coming to be Jesus, who would be king, yes, he would go on and live a perfect life. He would die for our sin. He'd be raised and then He's raised and he said he's enthroned forever, king of all kings, and one day reigning through his kingdom now, one day to return again and to make all things right. But he's already doing it now through the kingdom of God, through his church on, in the world already. God is coming. This gift is not unexpected. We want God to make things right. But here's what's interesting. But the way that God's gift came was unexpected. God, I want you to do this amazing thing. I want you to make things right in the world. So, like, you should show up with heaven's armies. Or maybe, like, who's that uh, Marvel guy? Thanos, who just snaps his finger. And just make all things right. Instead of making people disappear, make all things right. We want God to be powerful and just answer. But God says, I am. But the way that I'm going to do it, I'm going to send a baby. And honestly, we look at that today and say, a baby? Really, God? How will this help? What's happening here? We would sit back and say, God, a baby is not how you rule the world. Teaching 12 disciples your teachings to share and pass down through history is not the best way to make your message known. Dying on a cross is not showing the world how powerful you are. And trusting a very human church who's led by human people that are flawed and make mistakes is probably not the best way to tell the world that you love them. God, why would you do things this way? Here's what I love about this story, and I hope you don't miss this this year. God is doing good and right things and making things right in the world. But the way that God works in our lives is often not as we would expect it. We pray, God, would you do this? Would you answer this? Would you do this? God says, I will, but maybe not in ways that you expected. What if this year we became okay with letting our expectations go? First of all, of our own life, how we think things could be and should be and how it should be different, and to just accept where we are today. We are where we are today, and we can't change it right now. And then to let go of our expectations of God. Well, God, if you do this for me, and if you do this for me, and if you do this for me, then I'll love you. But instead to discover, not the God who we think it is or the God that we grew up with pictures of, but the God who is today, that very often acts differently and in ways that we would not expect. But yet if we lean in and find him there, we find that this is the very best way. But we trust this God who is good. And maybe for some of us, you'd say, man, I don't even really feel like God coming, God's presence with us. That's not something I need. I don't need to be saved. I don't even, I don't know if I should believe in all this. But if I'm here today, if I'm being honest, what I do need, I need my marriage to change. I need help financially. I need wisdom to know how to, parent these kids and raise these grandkids. I need help. I'm feeling lonely and lost and anxious and afraid. I do know that. And I I wish I could change. If I could change, I probably would have already done it myself. So I recognize that if a change is coming, it can't come from me. It needs to come from somewhere else. 
And if that's you, I would say there's an unexpected gift for you. Not coming in the way that you think it might, but yet finding a baby in a manger can actually be the solution to those felt needs that you have. This year at Christmas, I've known this for years, but I think I finally was able to put words with it. When I think of the gifts that we give one another, I've landed on this. I think the best gift you can give to someone is the gift that they want, but they can't get for themselves. I'll be open and honest and admit to you today that I am a terrible gift giver. Absolutely terrible gift giver. Is there anybody else that you're just like, yeah, that's me too. I'll admit it. I'm a terrible gift giver. Yeah, 100% a few of you. Uh, those around you already know it. It's okay. You just raise your hand, 100%. Hey, and let's be clear. If you haven't bought it yet, tomorrow's the day. If you haven't bought it yet, you're with us too. Okay. Sorry if that offended you. So sorry. I think the reason for me of knowing I'm a bad gift giver is because my wife is so good at it. Uh, and it, like the contrast is so clearly seen. She's amazing. We go to Christmas and she's already got everything wrapped and everything. And people say the phrase like, you've never experienced joy like you see the joy of a child opening a present on Christmas Eve. And it is true. The kids, they open, ah. Oh! And I'm like, yeah, but you haven't seen me on Christmas Eve either. When we're opening those presents that we bought the kids, they open it up like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm looking, I'm like, that is amazing. <laughs> we are really good at this thing. Yes, this is an us thing. We got this for them, 100%. My wife, she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We did this, right? Great gift giver. In fact, even just uh, for us personally, and I probably mention it too often, but many of you know, I'm originally from Kansas. We lived in Kansas City. I love my Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't need you to find me in the lobby and remind me of the three-game slide we're on right now. I'm definitely aware of that. It's okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I tend to work a few Sundays a year, and um, don't make it to a lot of games because they're seven hours away, and so I don't often get to go to Chiefs games. But on my birthday, uh, my wife, we were, there was a Monday we were already going to be in Kansas. It was the Monday uh, Eagles-Chiefs game. And my wife, a gift that I would never buy for myself, makes the best gift, said, we're going to the Chiefs game. Like, oh, you, I'm so glad I married you. Married so high up the ladder. Thank you. Wonderful. When I think of gifts, when I think of Christmas, God who is the best gift giver. If the best gifts are things that we could not get for ourselves, Christmas is the message that God, what he is giving us is something that we could not do for ourselves. God becomes man to take on our sin and shame and sickness and disease and death and then be raised to new life so that even we as humanity could have the life of God, could not live a perfect life so we have sin. God takes the sin upon himself to make us pure and spotless in God's eyes, to adopt us into God's family as children, and gives us the gift that we could never do for ourselves. Athanasius said, God was made man so that we may become like God. I think the main message of Christmas is that God who is love and life becomes human so that humanity can experience the love and life of God. Even if you're here today and you're more of a cynic or skeptical or a critic, and you, you, I grew up in church, but man, I feel like I moved on. I'm not really sure what I believe anymore. I would call myself spiritual, but not religious or not Christian. I'm just searching, and some of us wear that like a badge of honor, like I'm progressive. I've moved on from that. I'm not really sure what I think. And if you're here again, I'm glad that you're here today, but I would also challenge you. 
Have you actually sought out? You can say, I'm not sure, but are you seeking to find answers? Are you answering the question, what is it that I believe in? I hope you do. Because if you do and you look at all of the world religions in the world, all people throughout all of history have always worshipped something other than themselves, and to not is to find a life of hopelessness. So when, okay, what is it that I'm going to find? The thing that makes Christianity unique and different is Christmas. Because everywhere else, and some of us have this viewpoint too, that God is somewhere up there on a mountain. And if he is going to love me, then I need to do more. I need to try harder. I need to be more generous. I need to be more of a good person. And maybe one day, if I just do enough things, then I can earn God's love and approval. And then he would love me. That's almost every other religion. Christianity says, you're incapable of making it up the mountain. So instead, before you were even born, God came down and became what we could not do for ourselves so that we, he could take us to be with God. The difference of Christianity is to say, you are loved just as you are today. God looks at you and loves you. And yes, he loves you too much to leave you where you are today. It will involve following him and life change and becoming a disciple of Jesus and following and living under his lordship, accepting his teachings and following him. Yes, but God is the one who changes us. God is the one who gives us love before we earn it. We simply need to receive it. And this is good news. When you look at the Christmas story and God has come to be with us, God has come to make the world right, God has become man, this great news. And then you say, well, who gets to hear this message? Who's this message for? And at the beginning of this chapter, you're reading about kings and rulers and those with influence, those who are successful, those, you know, if God was going to become king and rule and reign over the world, he should probably get in close with the powerful people, right? Those with money and influence, and then he could establish his kingdom here. But God, in fact, does the exact opposite. Reading reading on in Luke 2 and verse 8. First people that hear this good news. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. The first people that get to hear the good news are not the successful, are not those in high class and power and high places. The first people that get to hear is the common people the people that have been forgotten about from society, pushed to the edges, that are day laborers, minimum wage, just trying to make it through. Their life is messy professionally with these sheep. It is a messy situation. God says, I am coming to you. The lowly, the lost, those that are wanting more in the world, the oppressed, I am coming to you. Jesus was born into an oppressed nation came as a lowly, vulnerable infant and lived as a refugee for the first 12 years of his life, identifying with those that have been pushed to the edges of the world. This is who he comes to. And this is why this is good news, and I want to pause on this. Most of us think, for some reason, man, if God were to love me, I don't think he does. I think God would rather spend his time with those religious people the people that seem closer to God, that are kind, they're good people. I'm a good person, but probably not as generous or kind as them. So God would probably want to spend his time with them. Yet God takes what is, he delights in taking what is common and making it sacred. Coming to a people whose lives are messy. Most of us feel like I'm not the most religious person, and if I'm real honest about my life, there's some messes. My relationships, my work, the things that I said or the things I've caused hurt and pain in the past? Why would God love me? Can you see that God chooses? He wants to. 
enter into the mess with the common people. Continuing on in verse 9, it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those on whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and the angel said to them about this child, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Can you imagine that night? A shepherd guarding a sheep in a field. Maybe a starry night, maybe getting a little sleepy. All of a sudden you look up and there's an angel and you're like, I must be dreaming. This does not happen. Wait, you see him too? Are you speaking to us? Oh, and now there's a vast army of heaven. I'm terrified. What is happening? Go to Bethlehem. This, the Savior is born and he is nearby. Go and see him. Imagine the shepherds going all throughout town. Is there a baby that's just been born here? It's the middle of the night. Go home. Is there a baby? Until they find Mary and Joseph. And again, I'm picturing Mary on the receiving end of this. Of like, hello, um, excuse me. I just have this newborn. Who are you, sirs? Why are you here tonight? Well, the angel told us this is the Messiah, the confirmation that must have happened within Mary. This is God's work. This is as God said it would happen. And I love this. There's so many things from this story I could highlight. The shepherds go back, tell everyone. And it says they went back to their jobs, glorifying and praising God. You see the joy in this story. Even from that point, when they went back to their work, they didn't have a new car on the driveway. They didn't get a promotion. They didn't get a new relationship. They didn't have anything else added to their life. They simply had an encounter with a baby in a manger, and that changed everything for them. But for me, this Christmas, as I'm reading this story, there was simply one word that stuck out. Back in verse 8, it says, there were shepherds who were staying in the fields nearby. It was nearby that this miracle had occurred. The reason this stuck out to me is because I begin to wonder this morning, how many people would come into this place that as they live their life, maybe they believe in God and they're good people, but yet they're living life and not experiencing peace and joy and love and this abundant overflowing, this is the way that life should be since. And yet if you grew up in church or even if you didn't, you, the church promises when you have this relationship with Jesus, when you live life with God, because God is the one who created you and he created you to know him. So if you're living life not knowing him, you're not going to experience these good things of life. That's how he designed it. And so if you live your life with God, you will experience joy and peace and hope and life. The spirit living within you, you can experience all of these things. Is that a bug? Excuse me, sorry. 
bug almost flew in my mouth. <laughs> and I wondered how many of you, feeling those things, would say, I know the church is supposed to offer those things, and it's not the church, it's Jesus himself. People will let you down, pastors will let you down, but do you look to Jesus? For he won't. Maybe that's some of your story. Yeah, I walked away from the church because of the abuse of leadership, terrible thing that happened. Was it people? Was it Jesus? You turn to him and you find hope and life. The answers are nearby, but they're not living within you. What if we, like the shepherds, would take a little journey and come to the manger to find the child, to experience life, receive this gift, that when we go back to our life, we take him with us. Just as he was born in the manger, that he would be born again in our hearts. And then we would experience the life that we have been created to live. And we would live it on into eternity with God. You see, the gift of Christmas is God with us. I would say the unexpected gift that God gives is the present of his presence. That God is with us. They said his name, he'll be born, his name will be Jesus. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And here's why this present is beautiful. First of all, this is the central promise of all of the Bible. John Orberg says, yes, in the Bible, you will find the promise, I will forgive you. And that is in there. It's not even the promise of life after death, although that is in there as well. But the most frequent promise in scripture, I will be with you. Christmas is the revelation of that. If you're here today, you say, why does that matter? God with me? What does that change? Why is that the best gift that God could give us? If we're being really honest, some of us don't really want God's presence. We just want him to answer our prayers. And in that, we almost are looking to God to be some kind of cosmic genie who answers our wishes. But today, I want to tell you, even better than our answered prayers is the present that God is with us. Because that changes everything. It changes our perspective. It changes our life. Even when our circumstances don't change, when the external things don't change in our life, God is doing an internal work within us that changes everything because he is with us. I'm convinced from conversations with so many of you that have been here over the last few weeks during this Advent and this season of waiting, that God is teaching you something. Yes, he hasn't answered that prayer. Yes, the problems are still there. What God wants is not just to make everything right. What God wants is for you to see him as provider, to see him as your strength, that he will be the one that will get you through and that he will change you even if everything else doesn't change. He's revealing himself to us in this way. God offers us the gift. And of course, yes, it brings salvation, that God would become sin for us so that we could become like God and the promise of eternal life. But can I tell you, the benefit for me personally of following Jesus isn't just one day I get to go to heaven when I die. It's for the changes that he makes in my life right now. And when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God who is raised from the dead. I believe you are who you say you are. Scripture says the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, not just God with us, but God within us. And this changes everything. For when you're living life and you have the sense, God is with me, God is within me. When I'm weak, God, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through. I don't have enough strength for today. You read the promise of scripture. In our weakness, he is our strength. 
God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this next thing. God, you know my family is struggling. God, I'm looking to you, and what you find is God as provider, taking care of not only the things we need, but even most of what we want to. God is that good. What we find is this God who can give us peace. Yes, work is crazy and stressful, and we have many fears, and our kid did something else, and it pushed us over the line. Yet, God, you were with me. If you were the God who defeated all of sin and death and darkness and even the grave, then you are in control, and one day you make all things right, which means the things that I'm facing right now, this too will pass. And then I can experience this peace, an overwhelming sense of assurance that all will be right in the world that just rests on my soul. That even the sickness that I have, even if it takes my life, I am with Jesus. I have peace. It brings love. The promise of Scripture. There's so many in our world today, and the numbers are rising, who are anxious and alone and wondering, do people see me? Do people care? Does anyone love me? The gift of Christmas is the promise. I love you so much, I would leave heaven to be with you. I've loved you before you were even born. I desire a relationship with you. I see what you're going through, and you are not alone. I am with you, if you would receive it. This is God with us, the good news that brings and changes everything. Hope that things won't be this way. Peace, despite our circumstances. Joy, because God is making the world right. And love, because we are valued and cared for. He loves us as we are, and loves us too much to leave us where we are today. God is with us. This is the gift that he offers. And who wouldn't want this gift? What if everything you ever wanted was wrapped in a present under the Christmas tree? Why would you not open it? Would you leave it there? It's nearby. Would you receive it? They choose to receive. And in receiving, we receive in a moment God's forgiveness, God's life, and then we follow him. It's not a one-time transaction. Relationships never are. Relationships are meant to be lived together. We become a disciple of Jesus. We keep coming back to hear his teachings. We hear what God has done for us and grow more and more like him every day. But it starts with receiving. John three sixteen says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son a gift so that everyone... I would say anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Would you pray with me today? God, in this Christmas time, we look to you. God, we thank you for the gift that you give us. A gift that we could never earn or do for ourselves. A gift that is so wonderful that can change our life immediately with eternal results to follow. God, we thank you that you care for us and love us, that you would leave your place in heaven to draw near to us who are lonely and lowly, anxious and afraid, outcast by society or the common people. And you offer us a gift that if we were to say yes, you not only become the God who is around us, but the God with us, the God within us. That you give us forgiveness and new life and eternal life. You give us hope for today and joy and peace and life as we trust in you and walk with you. God, we're so thankful for the gift that you give us. If there's anyone here today 
And if you're very honest, you feel far from God. Maybe you've even known what is good and right and how I should turn from doing these bad things in my life and instead turn to Jesus, the author of life. You know it. You're in this place today. You've drawn close to the nearby. And Jesus offers us this gift, this child in the manger. Would you receive him today? Would you receive forgiveness of your sin? Receive this new life that just as Christ was born, he would be reborn in your heart today to give you forgiveness and life and hope in a future. If so, would you simply pray, God, forgive me, for I have sinned. Would you give me new life, a new hope, a new future as I trust in you? I receive the gift of your son. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And I believe that you can make me new and change me and everything in my life. God, today I also pray for those that are here. Maybe they have been following you for a long time. But maybe this Christmas for some reason has just hit different. Where they feel like they're living in the dark. They're carrying the burden and the weight of worry and fear. Diagnosis or difficulty. They're mourning or grieving because this Christmas will be different. God, would you remind that person today that you are still God with us, still loving them and seeing them where they are today, still the one who will make all things right, whether it happens now in a moment or eventually when you come again. You are good and you are trustworthy, loving and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in your love for us. Would you remind us that your presence with us changes everything. Today we're reminded of the gift that you give us and we again say thank you. Jesus, change our Christmas celebrations. Recognize you are the true gift and we receive you today. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc slash engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.